Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Living an unbelievable life just like David. I I was really inspired by that David story on the Lost series. How many love the Lost series? It's great. Now we're moving into the Life series. This is an appetizer. This is not the series. Okay, little appetizer. But I got quickened on that thought too. Living an unbelievable life, just like David. So I want to look at that towards the end of the message. But I want to set up another thought that I really feel a prophetic impartation to our church family. How many of you love spring? I mean, the Pacific Northwest in the spring is probably, undoubtedly, the most beautiful place on earth. There's something about it. And I don't know about you, when it comes around springtime, I am ready for springtime. I'm ready for springtime in the weather and uh, in the foliage, in my own heart and mind. I'm ready. And, and I believe the Holy Spirit is coming and wants you to have kind of a, a, a special alert to your own life. That God wants to do something very special in your life this spring. That he really does want to spring something up in you that is very, very special, different, maybe even surprising. I heard this uh, last week. Uh, spring shows God what God can do with a drab and dirty world. I like that. Spring shows what God can do with a drab and dirty world world. When we think and look around, it's unbelievable. That's what I It's unbelievable what spring does. You have this dead looking, dry, dirty land. You have these trees and bushes that look dead and brittle and even fragmented, cold and tired. But then in a set time, which is a mystery, at a set time, the life of creation hits that ground, hits those bushes and they start growing. And they start moving and colors start popping out and fragrances start coming and the azaleas come and the rhododendrons come and the flowering trees come. And all of a sudden it is beautiful and fragrant. I'm telling you right now, I believe the Lord wants to come in your life and do something just like that for you. How many would like a springtime in a couple areas of your life? And that you'd actually be surprised because when spring comes up, you are going and, and every day you see something different. Or one day there's nothing there. It's a dead old ground. Next day you see a little green shoot. In a couple of weeks there's a flower. And you're surprised. You see a limb that wasn't that fruitful last year. It's very fruitful this year. And I felt the Lord said, I'm coming to do some unbelievable good surprises in your life. You've been faithful. With a tough season. Come on, it's been a tough season in a natural weather. It's been a tough season financially. It's been a tough season for some of us in a physical, relational sense. It's been a tough season. But the Holy Spirit said to me, there's a refreshing springtime coming. An unbelievable springtime. I want to start with the word. City Bible Church, good time to start with the Bible. Let's just look at some scriptures about God's unbelievable thoughts and plans for you. God's unbelievable thoughts and plans for you. Habakkuk 1.5, very challenging scripture. It says this, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told you. Now, that's a big idea. Everybody say, I must believe in the unbelievable. 
I must get to a place when I hear unbelievable things in the word or in my heart that I must embrace. And even though it doesn't make a lot of sense to my natural mind, God can do something supernatural and unbelievable to make a change in my life, through my life, for my life, around my life. Too improbable to believe of such a superlative degree as to be very hard to believe. The plot, the idea, the strategy, the plan is unreal. We have a saying, too good to be true. It's a challenge. All through the Bible, we see many, many examples of this. How about just starting with Noah, the famous ones? How many of you know when the word of the Lord came to him and said, it's going to rain, he's going to, what's rain? Has to explain, well, that's never happened. Well, it's going to happen. Well, it's hard for me to believe that happened because that's never happened. Oh, and by the way, I want you to build an ark. What's an ark? Well, it's a huge boat. What's a boat? Right? It's unbelievable. But he believes in the unbelievable, gathers up his family, builds ark. And then he says, hey, go out and bring the animals in two by two. How many? That sounds kind of unbelievable. And how many of you know only he and his family believed in the unbelievable? It's a big idea. How about Moses? Talking about believing in the unbelievable. He was a prince of Egypt. You know, he, he had it all. And he had an anger problem, I guess. And he murdered somebody and he had to run away and flee. He ended up being a lowly shepherd on the backside of the desert. Failure. Failure. If somebody would have come to him and said, hey, you know what? You're not going to be a failure. Actually, be one of the greatest men that ever walked the face of the earth. You're going to be a miracle worker. You're going to deliver your people out from the strongest army and nation in the world. You're going to lift up that little staff of yours and you're going to part the right. How many of you know he'd say that? Well, that's unbelievable. But it happened. And he believed. How about Paul? New Testament. How many of you know if somebody came up to Paul when he's studying and he's going to be a Pharisee and he's persecuting people and says, Hey, you know, in a few days, you're going to get knocked off your high horse by a blinding light and you're going to be blinded. And Jesus is going to speak to you from his resurrection authority. And then you're going to go and somebody's going to pray for you and your eyes are going to be open. And you're going to turn from the persecutor into the preacher, into the apostle. He would say, wow, that is unbelievable. But it happened. How about you and me? Every one of us have an unbelievable story. When I was a sophomore in college at Lewis and Clark here in Portland, I had, I was a long haired, a long haired college hippie. I had hair down on my shoulders, red headband. I was a total, complete heathen. If somebody say, by the time you're a senior, you're going to give your life to the Lord, you're going to become a Jesus freak, carrying a Bible under your arm, preaching, teaching, going for God. Somebody would have told me back then, you're going to go to Bible college. I'd say, you're absolutely crazy. That is unbelievable. I would never do that. But here I am. How about you? We all have unbelievable stories. What does God want to do unbelievably in this season of your life? He's not done. Look at these other scriptures. Psalms 139. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more in number than the sand. My, my, my. God is thinking good things about you all the time. Isaiah 55, very famous. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. 
I always think of Gideon. Remember Gideon? He was hiding in the wine press, doing his work there. And the angel of the Lord said, mighty man of valor. And he's saying, who are you talking to? You got the wrong number. Angel, don't you remember? I'm from the smallest tribe and I'm the least of my brethren. Angel said, no, you're a mighty man of God. I'm going to be with you and you're going to deliver your nation. Unbelievable stories. Unbelievable stories in the Bible. Unbelievable, good, peaceful, hopeful plans. Jeremiah 29, very famous. I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Wow. What shall we say to these things? That's what Paul said. If God be for us, who can be against us? He's got some unbelievable intentions and plans for you this spring. I'm telling you right now, I feel the Holy Spirit moving in a brand new, surprising, beautiful, unbelievable way if we would believe it. I has not seen nor ear heard, neither into the mind of man, the things God has prepared for those who love him. First Corinthians 2. Unbelievable, unsensible. Natural senses cannot understand. You can't see, hear, or think with your natural mind big enough and good enough. Unbelievable, unaskable, thinkable plans. My favorite scripture. Now to him, our God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, you can ask or even think, come on, by the power working in you and for you and through you. My, my, my. You can't think big enough and you can't think good enough. Look at your neighbor right now and say, what's going to spring up in you this spring? Come on, what's going to spring up in you? You got to get an anticipation. Something's going to spring up in you. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be better than you think. You can't earn it or deserve it. It's the life of God in you. Just like the life in those plants. And in that ground, it's going to spring up. But we got to be alert. we got to believe it. I always think of the 13 people. They always tell the story. 1951, 13 people planted this church. 13 people said, let's have church. Let's love each other. Let's just go for God. In 1951, a big Pentecostal, a big charismatic church in 1951 would be maybe 200 people. Boy, if we could just believe and ask that we could grow and have 200 people, maybe we could buy a little building. How many know, in their wildest imaginations, they couldn't see three campuses in the Metroplex. They couldn't see a grade school, a high school, a Bible college. Come on, they couldn't see. And we couldn't see. Six years ago, we couldn't have asked. We couldn't have thought of even three campuses. You, uh, we forget this. Six years ago, we had one campus and three services. Now we have four locations and 15 services. Put your hands together. Something is happening around here. Come on. We've got to take note of what's going. And if God's doing all that and we couldn't even think of that six years ago, what is he going to do in the future? It's unbelievable the potential of what he can do. And then, of course, and certainly not least, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Unbelievable, eternal plans. Come on, let that get into you in this spring season. Look at God has unbelievable plans for you, innumerable plans, precious plans, higher plans, heavenly plans, unsensible plans to the natural mind, unaskable because it's too big and good, unthinkable, 
and eternal. But here's the problem. Whose thoughts and plans do you believe? Big challenge, big challenge. Romans 12, the battle for the mind. Come on, we all know it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, kind of a springtime in your mind, that you might prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which is supernatural and unbelievable. To get a hold of this concept, to walk in Christ. Whose thoughts and plans are you listening to? Whose thoughts and plans are you thinking about? Come on, thoughts only come from God, from our own mind or human mind, or from the demonic realm. Whose thoughts are you talking about to yourself and others? Whose thoughts are you living out? you got to make a decision. I, I believe in the springtime. God wants you to make a very conscious decision. I am going to start believing in the unbelievable. In my life and everyone around me in every area of my life. That's what I feel. The Lord is imparting a gift of faith to believe in the unbelievable, especially right now in the spring and going into the summer. Now, what does God's written word and, and prophetic word say to you? We're going to have prophetic assembly. Some people are going to get some prophetic words. They're going to line up with the promises in the Bible. It's going to be very dynamic for them. But how could you have a bigger word than this? How could you have more of an unbelievable word and challenge than what Jesus said? They that believe in me will do the same works that I do and even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father, which is to your advantage, so he can send the baptism of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can dwell in you and for you and through you and you can be just like me. Somebody say unbelievable. And sometimes we just blow over that scripture. I'm trying and the Holy Spirit's trying to bring you to attention in this spring. That's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to upgrade you in every area of your life into a Christ-likeness. It is his idea. From glory to glory into his image and likeness by his spirit, by his word, and by his church. Here's the basics of Christianity. It's our job description. Come on. We ask the unbelievable. We believe the unbelievable. We confess the unbelievable. And we do the unbelievable. Come on, the irrational to the natural mind, unreasonable, impossible, not to us. That is our job description, to live in such a way that we talk it, we live it, and we actually do it. Wow. And he's there to help us. Now let's talk about David. David truly uh, lived an unbelievable life. And 1 Corinthians 10, 11 tells us the Old Testament was written for New Testament believers that we could have a more successful life. For all these Old Testament stories are supposed to help us know what to do and what not to do. David shows us many, many things of what to do and a few things what not to do. Let Look at his life for a minute because I believe there's an impartation of David's unbelievable life right at the end that's going to come right into you in the springtime to give you an upgrade in four very special areas. But first, let's look at his life. He really did have an unbelievable destiny. He was a little shepherd boy, come on, taking care of his father's sheep, doing a good job. And you remember, if somebody would have come up to him when he's out there playing his harp and say, hey, guess what's going to happen in the future? He said, what's that? He says, you know, some prophet's going to come to your dad and going to say to your dad, one of your sons is going to be anointed to be king of all Israel. And they're going to line up all your brothers, but the prophet's going to say, none of those brothers are the ones. Don't you have somebody else? And that will be little old you. And he said, well, my brothers are bigger, they're smarter, they're better looking. What do you mean? No, well, God chooses from the heart. And he says, guess what else? You know those little harp songs you're doing? They're going to become universally famous. 
There's going to be a book called the Bible. And it's going to have them all in there. It's going to be the heart of the Bible. And you're going to be one of the most famous songwriters in the whole world. That would be kind of unbelievable. Then he said, you know what else? You killed a lion and a bear, but you're going to kill this giant. And all the armies are going to be afraid of him. All your, all your brothers are going to be afraid of him. But you are going to go and you're going to kill that Goliath. And you know what's going to happen then? You're going to marry the king's daughter. It's unbelievable. And that's not all. You're going to become the king and you're going to unite all Israel. And you're going to get a revelation of the tabernacle of David, 24-hour worship in the presence of God. Wow. And then you're going to get the vision of Solomon's temple to my glory. Oh, my goodness. And last, and certainly not least, that you know that Messiah guy, the savior of the world, is going to come through your family. Somebody say unbelievable. Now, he had an unbelievable life, but so do you. God has a design for you, just as specially as he did for David. Maybe not as big, maybe bigger. I don't know. But he has a plan for you. And he has a destiny for you. And it's good. And it's great. And it's abundant life. Amen. We just read all the scriptures. They're unbelievably good plans. Now, David, and like us, we had some, he had some unbelievable enemies. Just to think about that for a minute. How many of you say a lion and a bear would be unbelievable? It'd be one thing if you had a high-powered rifle, but he had... His hands and slingshots. He had a lion and a bear. He killed a lion and a bear. Maybe several. I don't know. How many say Goliath was an enemy? How about Saul himself? Saul was trying to get David. How do you like the president of the United States trying to get you? Now that would be an unbelievable enemy, wouldn't it? And then the other armies he fought with his mighty men. How about this? He had unbelievable disasters. And this is where Pastor Frank camped on this at Ziglag. Come on, he takes his whole army to go help some other army. That army doesn't trust him, rejects him, and sends him home. How many know that's not a good day? They're going home grumbling about David, embarrassing. He's all embarrassed. They come over the hill. There's the smoke. Everything's burnt down. All their family, everything they own is stolen. Come on, it's all gone. Come on, this is not just a bad hair day. This is a bad day. This is a disaster. Remember the story? And then his men cry. And when they're done crying, they get up and say, let's kill David. Come on, that's a disaster. I'm saying we all have had disasters. I don't know anybody has one that matches that. And Pastor Frank preached that well. And there's a lot to pursue and surely overtake. And, by the way, David had unbelievable failures. He lined up three pretty significant failures. Probably no one in this room can match. Come on. He fell in adultery with Bathsheba and tried to cover up. He orchestrated really the murder of her husband Uriah. And then he failed as a father, his own absolute, his son turned against him to rebel and take the kingdom from him. He had unbelievable failures. Listen, he had unbelievable enemies, unbelievable disasters, unbelievable failures. But he became, in and through it all, an unbelievable success. How did he do that? It says he went from the sheepfold and following the sheep to ruler over my people over him. That's unbelievable. He united all Israel. He had the tabernacle of David and that whole revelation, Solomon's temple, became the world's most famous songwriter. Like we said, he was a multi-millionaire billionaire. Who knows how much money he had? He was the greatest warrior and general in the history of the world, maybe. And, of course, again, last but not least, the savior of the world came through his family. How did he do this? How did he do his part? And this is it. And we're done. Four things. And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to come with an upgrade in impartation. One saying I really love, the small refinements of a good thing make it great. Come on, the small refinements of a good athlete makes a great athlete. Small refinements of a good musician makes a great musician. David 
in spite of the enemies, in spite of disasters, in spite of his own failures, he had some things right. He had them so right that in Acts 13, God himself said, David is a man after my own heart. Didn't mean he is perfect. He was far from perfect. But there's something between God and David. There was something about heart. Heart is used a thousand times in the Bible. And it talks about the center of our being. He was a man after God's own heart. And if you look in the Psalms and other places, David was wholehearted in everything he did. There was a wholeheartedness in everything he did. I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will cry out to the Lord with my whole heart. I will keep his precepts with my whole heart. He had a wholeheartedness about him. He said, I'll praise the Lord continually. I will keep his praise in my mouth at all times. Good, bad, ugly. I'm praising God all the time. He had a revelation of wholeheartedness. Four things. Number one, he was wholehearted in giving of worship. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring a springtime into you in our church in worship. How I many of you know we could go to another level in worship? Jeff, could we go to another level in worship? You bet we could. There's always more. And I'm praying whatever was in David. David praised God when it was good. David praised God when it was bad. Remember the stories. The most exciting story, of course, he's bringing the ark. It's a good time. He's bringing the presence of God. And he's going. And he is like full out in worship. It says as they're carrying the ark, every six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six. They stop and do an offering of a bull and sheep. One, two, three, four, five, six. Another offering. They do this for miles. How many of you say, that's unbelievable right there. He gets so excited and the presence is so much there. He starts dancing and whirling. He throws off his kingly robes. He throws off his armor. He gets down as a little child excited and worshiping. And it says there, everybody say, all his might. Say it a little louder with all your might. Ready? One, two, three. All his might. There's a difference between being half-hearted and whole-hearted. And he went into wholehearted worship and it was so exciting. And his wife despised it. She was unbelieving. And she was struck barren and never had a child. And he said, you're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing me. Remember what David said? You haven't seen anything yet, baby. Wait till I go again. He said, I'm going to praise him more. I'm going to be even more intense in my worship. I have a feeling that we could have incredibly successful lives even over our enemies, our failures, our disasters, if we got a hold of worship in a new dimension. He didn't just worship in the good times, he worshiped in the bad times. Remember after his failure? After Bathsheba and Uriah, Nathan judges him on his family, the sword, all these bad judgments, and the baby dies. And remember what he did? This is a bad time. This is a dark time. He didn't get mad at God and walk away from God. He didn't get mad at himself and give up on himself and quit. No, what did he do? He said, I arose, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord and worshiped with all his might. Wow. You want to be successful? Worship him at all times with all your might. And you'll be like David. What else? He was wholehearted in his Warfare. He was a wholehearted giver in his warfare. Come on. Now, he had a lot of physical and spiritual warfare. Ours is mainly spiritual. We were not against flesh and blood mainly, but unseen realms. But how many know it's very real? But look, at, if we could get the spirit of David in us. I just, the famous story of David and Goliath. He says, hey, I can take down this Goliath because I killed a lion and I killed a bear. 
And you read that story. He's telling Saul about, well, when the bear or lion comes to get my lamb, I run after that lion and bear. Can you see it? I'd say, see a lamb. Now, David, hey, bring that lamb back here. He runs after him, kills the lion, kills the bear, takes back the lamb. How many of you like a little that in your spirit? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defy the armies of the living God? You come against me with a spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Wow. Now, if I was David, I'd get behind the biggest rock I could find. And I'd start throwing rocks as far as I could. Hoping for the Holy Ghost lucky rock. I mean, really, honestly. Now, David, he's wholehearted. What did it say? He, he ran at Goliath. What is wrong with him? Get behind a rock and throw. No. He ran. There was such intensity, wholeheartedness. God was for him. He's running right at Goliath. Hit him in the head, cut off his head, put his armor in his tent. I'd say that's pretty wholehearted. <laughs> and Zaglag, famous story. Did you realize it says David pounced on them and they fought to get back their stuff from the sunrise until the evening of the next day. Now that's some serious warfare. What if that kind of intensity got in you? In us, about the world, flesh, and the devil, about sin, sickness, disease, and poverty, about something that's in our life or somebody else's life, that we actually took the full armor of God. We took the full weaponry. We came in an anointing and a warfare and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to mess with my life or my family or my culture? I'm going to press in like David. Come on. Wow. Third thing, he was a wholehearted giver of wealth. He was a wholehearted giver of wealth, time, talent, and treasure. You want to have an unbelievable life just like David? Well, he did these things. It's a partnership. Come on. He's the junior partner. Duh. God's the senior partner. How many of you know both have a part? David had a revelation. He was a man after God's own heart. If I give God wholehearted worship, if I go and stand for God in wholehearted worship, warfare, he's going to do his part. There's a springtime coming. God wants to take an upgrade in worship, an upgrade in your spiritual warfare and authority and confidence. It's coming by His Spirit. Heart of giver and wealth. This is very interesting. Listen to this scripture. 1 Chronicles 29. Now, for the house of my God, come on, wholehearted, I have prepared with all my might. Same word as dancing and worshiping. Come on, I worship with all my might. I war with all my might. And I give with all my might. Wow. Wholeheartedness. Gold, silver, bronze, glistening stones, all kinds of precious stones, marble to slab. Then it goes on. It says, moreover, because I set my affection, come my wholehearted affection, on the house of the Lord, I have given to the house of my God over and above all I have prepared. Wow. So he prepared this whole thing intentionally. And then in the spontaneity of the anointing, he gives more. Wow. Could that be one of the secrets to his success? I think so. Over and above all I've prepared of the Holy House, my own special offering. Wow. We had a new faith in giving, receiving, and prospering. The tithe and offering does a supernatural thing that releases a blessing into my life. And I have success no matter of my own unbelievable enemies. My own 
unbelievable disasters and my own unbelievable failures because we all have all of them. But God, you can have an unbelievable destiny in spite of it. Last one. Very important one. Maybe the hardest one in some ways. David was a wholehearted giver in friendship. And I found a W. I was looking for a W. Come on, and preachers out there, we got to keep it homiletical. I had to get another W. Everybody say, Wensanko. Try it again. Wensanko. That's Swahili. For friendship, family, community. He was a wholehearted giver in friendship and in community. David and Jonathan's relationship was very, very famous. Saul's son. It says their souls were knit together and they made a covenant. And Jonathan took off, the king's son took off his robe and gave David to David and gave David his armor. I mean, this is the most special. And it says this, even to the sword and the bow and the belt. Oh my goodness. There's that kind of covenant. You would give up your offensive and defensive power to your friend. Wow. Jesus said, two agrees, touch anything, it shall be done. Three full court is not quickly broken. Remember Daniel and the three friends, I call it four-wheel driving. They came as underdogs and they became top dogs because they were coveted together in a four-wheel drive. And how about the mighty men? This is fascinating to me. The mighty men, it talks about it in Samuel 22. It says, and everyone who was in distress, who was in debt... And discontent gathered to him. And he became captain over them. Doesn't sound like the dream team, does it? Distress, in debt, and discontent. Hmm. Everybody say, weak men. They were weak men. They weren't the dream team. But God was about ready to do something unbelievable. In them, for them, and ultimately through them. Because they went from weak men. Everybody say, cavemen. They went from weak men to cavemen and became mighty men. How many like to know what happened in the cave? I'll tell you what happened in the cave. Something unbelievable happened in the cave. Those guys that were in distress, in debt, and discontent got a springtime with their relationship with God. They got a springtime with their relationship with their leader, David, they got a springtime with each other. And there was a transformation in that cave. Weak men, cavemen, mighty men became an unbelievably successful army. 